This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is entertainment journalist and author Robin Flans. If Robin's name sounds familiar to you, it probably has a lot to do with the fact that she wrote for Modern Drummer for close to 40 years. She's also stayed active in the drumming community with Robin Flan's drummer interviews that you can find online. Most recently, she just put out a brand new book called It's About Time, Jeff Porcaro, The Man and His Music. If you're interested in finding out more about this episode and all of the over 250 episodes that we've done here at Working Drummer Podcast, you can find us at workingdrummer.net. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Stitcher, iTunes, where you can subscribe to us. You can also follow us and subscribe to us on Spotify. Check us out there. If Patreon isn't your thing, then we have a PayPal option on our website. You can go there and make a one-time donation. We appreciate everyone's help over the years in keeping this podcast going strong. Before my interview with Robin, I had a chance to read the book that she wrote about Jeff. And uh, I have to say, it was it was so fun to read I mentioned in the interview that if you have some sort of companion, musical companion with you, you can follow along and look up the songs that they're talking about, the stories that are told about maybe recording a particular song or how it was arranged or the part that Jeff so brilliantly came up with during the session. And it's just fun to pull that Steely Dan track up or Springsteen track or... Boz Skaggs track and just follow along. It, it really brings the the story to life. But I really enjoyed this conversation with Robin, and I hope you do too. Here's Robin Flans. Only I would release a book in a pandemic. And, <laughs> you know, it, was, it would really, I mean, if you if if anything could happen to me, it would happen to me. <laughs> so you know, write a book and a pandemic comes. I mean. I, I should have known, but, you know, it, it only took me eight years and the pandemic comes. So, yeah, I mean. It is all I, about time, isn't it? Yeah, it, <laughs> it is. It's all about timing. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but um, in a way, I'm glad that I could bring such, you know, it's been bringing joy to a lot of people. And if I had to sort of take, you know, transfer my experience for everybody else's experience i'm glad that it's brought joy during this lousy time you know for people because it seems to have brought a little brightness into people's lives for sure for sure for that for that i'm grateful so well it's interesting just the trickle down from 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 the songwriters the artists the musicians uh those that work in the industry and how it all affects and even those that write about the industry and 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 onward and and it's just amazing and like you mentioned early on it's like where are we getting the help and i remember when this first started i i along with a lot of my uh friends were receiving assistance from music cares and the academy of country music and other independent yeah. places to, to 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 find help and i did get a grant from um some people that were wonderful um uh god i can't even think of who that was and mm. and and dinah gretch sent me um wow a grant i mean she was worried about me god bless her I'm not, you know, I said to her, I'm, I'm not a Gretsch user, obviously. I'm not a drummer. <laughs> um, but she said, you're, you're a friend of Gretsch. And, yeah. and you've, you know, you've been good to Gretsch people all through the years. And I mean, she, she reached out to me. She, she said, how are you? How are you doing? And I mean, it was so kind of her that um, I will you know, forever be grateful. And, you know, I told her, Hey, if you ever need, you know, any of your artists need bios, please, you know, just, I owe you, 
That's, Some. that's amazing. And, and, you know, it kind of answers one of my questions I, I had prepared. Uh, so many of us have known about you forever. I mentioned that I was going to be speaking with you today with a with a good friend of mine, Josh Berkheimer. He's a wonderful drummer. We grew up together. Oh, yeah. And I know him. Do you? Awesome. I know of him, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, so he said, oh, my gosh, Robin's articles were my favorite in Modern Drummer. And <laughs> Josh and I have known each other since we were just little kids, and he we went on vacation together, and he brought his Modern Drummer magazines. And so I was probably <laughs> you know ten or eleven when I first. I'm like, what is this? This is amazing. Um, but he, you have fans, and so I, I'm I'm very honored to to have this time to speak it's with you. So cool, so cool. I also don't yeah, want to get. Go ahead. It's weird because you know it's it's so weird because before there was social media. I had no clue, you know, <laughs> I mean, I would only at the NAM shows, you know, every once in a while, someone would walk up to me and say, you're Robin. I thought you were a guy <laughs> you know, because nobody would know. I mean, how could they know? I was just a name on a page. Yeah. And, and, and unless you saw me, you had no idea. And, and without social media, I had no clue unless somebody wrote a letter to the editor and they printed it because they wouldn't tell me they got stuff in. Um, I, I didn't know anybody liked anything I wrote. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's so overwhelming to know that people actually even looked at my name. <laughs> I mean, who knew? Yeah. It kind yeah. of answers my question I had for you, like why drummers? But I think... And our listeners will agree. I mean, there's just, there's something unique about the community and the supportive nature of drummers. And, and not just that it, it was just, it, to me, I always found myself listening to the drums when I would, I mean, I always loved music. It was, mm -hmm. there was no doubt. I mean, the Beatles started it and I, you know, and I just loved music and, and, for me, the, the bottom was the drums. It was, you know, the foundation. Mm -hmm. And I found myself, you know, my head would be bobbing and from the time I was little. And so it was always the drums. So that was who I called at when I wanted to write. I called Ron Spagnardi. Yeah. And I said, I want to write for you. And he didn't, you know, I mean, what was he going to say? Oh, well, you know, we don't have anybody on the West Coast. He didn't know I didn't really have too much experience. I'll, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, sure. And I went out and did articles for him. And he thought I was pretty good. I mean, I really researched it and worked on it. And and he liked what I did. Yeah. So it mushroomed well it's in and i it, and in preparing for our conversation uh there's times i'm i get a little nervous in preparing we've been doing this for over five and a half years i'm coming upon our 300th episode uh so i feel a lot more comfortable than when i first started doing this uh but knowing your experience interviewing and research and everything like that I, i'm like uh-oh you know, it's like auditioning for a bunch of drummers, you know, I'm like, uh oh, be ready. <laughs> oh no, don't, don't feel that way because you know what? <laughs> After 40 years, I still get nervous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm nervous every time I research, every time I do an interview, I have butterflies in my stomach mm. and it, you should have seen me the day I was interviewing Donald Fagan for, I mean, it was mm -hmm. on the phone, but I was like going to throw up. So, <laughs> don't, you know, and that was just a few months back. So, right, right. no, I'm always a wreck. So don't, it's, but there's, it's, it's, yeah, there's like ahead. a performance aspect to it. There's like a nervousness and then you're in it and you're enjoying. And then afterwards there's a little bit of a high. And I never oh, yeah. thought of that. You know, I've been a working <laughs> musician for the little over 20 years now uh, but adding this element to my workload has some parallels to performing, and I really enjoy it. But um, not to spend too much time on that, but one of the things I wanted to ask you about was working for Modern Drummer uh, early 
on, but I do have to hit pause for a second because I don't want to go too far without thanking Rick Malkin for connecting us. And Rick, yeah, Rick, Rick's been, a, I've known of him for since I've moved to Nashville 20 years ago, and he's been a guest on the show early on. And, and I just want to thank Rick for connecting you and I. Rick is such a good guy, and we were such a good team when he lived out here. I miss him. It's, God, has it been, tw- oh boy, he's been gone a long time from here. Mm-hmm. Here is L.A., by the way, everybody. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, li- I live in the, <laughs> Mars! Yeah. Um, I, I live in the L.A. area, and Rick used to live out here, and and we would cover, uh, you know, a lot of the modern drummer stuff together, and he would, um, you know, be the photographer I didn't go on all the shoots with him, but in fact, I did go on the um, Jeff shoot with him that he did for the cover story um, that resulted in the cover of the uh, book that, you know, just came out. Yeah. And so I was there when he shot that photo that ended up on the cover and, um, yeah, which made it all the more special when we picked it for the cover. Um, I didn't even realize when I picked it because it's such an iconic shot that Rick uh, shot. Mm. I didn't even realize that it was from that shoot. And then suddenly I realized, boy, that makes it just all the more special. I was there that day. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, it was uh, meant to be. But yeah, to, just to, you know, get that back i i do miss rick we were a good team uh we did a lot of fun things together sandy nelson was one that we had fun doing sandy was a hoot uh he had a moat in front of his house and he made he made us get into his little dinghy and and drive around the boat in in his moat i mean he he was a hoot he was a hoot and a half that's amazing Um, but yeah, we we had fun doing stuff together. I miss him. Yeah, I miss him a lot. Yeah, there's people in my zip code that I miss because of everything that's been happening in 2020. Oh, God, no doubt. I know it's terrible. I'm. I, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. we're housebound. I go to the dog park and the market, and that's and that's my life. Well, yeah, terrible. So, but you know, I have to tell you something about. What I found out about you oh. is... Um, you are an interviewer. I, well, <laughs> I did, yes, I did my research. <laughs> I had to know who was going to talk to me. Yeah. And you played with a bunch of people I've interviewed. Um, back, back in the 80s, I lived in Nashville. Yeah. And... Um, I interviewed um, Eddie Raven. Eddie Raven, yeah. Nice guy. Mm-hmm. Well, and we, you know, I mean, they were, these were people I hung out with a little bit because they were people that were very accessible to me. And I wrote, see, at the time I was writing for Country Weekly magazine. Okay. Yeah. Um, I always wrote for Modern Drummer. Yeah. I mean, I, I was never on staff at Modern Drummer. So I was always a free agent and I wrote for other magazines. Right. So, right. Um, I was always a freelancer and I wrote for Country Weekly um for a long time i started that magazine with them and uh so eddie raven and restless heart mm-hmm. you said you played with barry stewart yeah um daisy all those bands i covered all the acm awards and all those things um the american music awards and um so a lot of those acts that you played with i interviewed that's amazing Nashville's mm-hmm. been good to to me and my family. It's been a been a wonderful opportunity, and and the the connection with Larry and Richie McDonald and Tim Rushlow has been a new thing. And we're looking at next year uh, for hopefully if as things open up to to work with them. That's been a more recent thing for me, and it's a, it's been an honor to uh, dig into that material. That is just you know. That's really. wonderful. That's really wonderful. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. No, it's yeah. great. I mean, Nashville, Nashville was great for me too. I mean, I I really had a good. I sort of lived there and L.A. I would come back to L.A. 
for a period of time because mm-hmm. I also, I mean, I kept my place here and I had a very inexpensive apartment there. And um, I loved living both places for, you know, about a year, year and a half or so. And um, it was a lot of fun. So Modern Drummer started it around 1977. When did you first uh, get involved? About 78. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were still in their garage. I didn't realize that at the time. And um, they had a an editor by the name of Karen Larcombe, who has, became one of my closest friends in the world. We're still close. Um, she lives in New Jersey. And, um, and then when she left... Um, became uh rick mattingly and and rick and i are still friends Uh and uh yeah and then bill miller and um unfortunately we lost him to cancer and so yeah i was i was with them for like 40 years my gosh yeah and uh when bill left the earth um Somebody else took over, and um, we didn't. He had other plans. Okay, <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Okay. So yeah. So many of us throughout our lives grow up, and Modern Drummer is so much a part of how we learn, how we recognize names, especially as liner notes are less common. Mm. We find out who these people are, and um, you know, from that late mid to late seventies to to now, what what a, what a standard it has become for other publications, for the way we interact, and new podcasts popping up, and information being shared, uh, you know, books that are written, and things like that. So it's uh, it's amazing um, to see its impact on the community. Yeah, it it really did. I mean, I have to hand it to Ron Spagnardi. I mean, he was um, just a genius. He was a great guy. He was the, you know, the publisher. I mean, he's mm-hmm. the one who, who had the vision and um, and he started it in his garage. He was a drummer and um, he was, he thought about it and probably did something illegal, but he, he, um, um, accumulated people's subscriptions before he even had a magazine. <laughs> and that's how he create, was able to pay for the magazine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. God bless him. He Boy, there's an incentive right there. <laughs> yeah. And he created an empire. Yeah. And um, ended up being able to buy the building that they, you know, worked in. And I mean, he he was a smart man and a and a and a great guy. I loved him dearly. And um, I am so sorry that he left the planet. It's been a yeah. Yeah. It's good to reflect upon that stuff, um, you know. Even as things are, are as as things are going on, and and it, I I really enjoyed reading the book. And one of the aspects of the book, uh, kind of that was an odd transition, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, they're both gone. Yes, actually, it wasn't a bad transition at all. That's why it's what makes me think. That's uh, that's yeah. kind of what led me there. It's also nice to <laughs> yeah, be able to e- edit and post. <laughs> Um, well, I, I, I'm, I'm a little rattled. We, we, we had a, a bass player in our community that, 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 that passed away from a car accident like two nights ago. And oh my God. it's just, uh, I have another friend of mine that uh, sustained an injury that's preventing him from playing music. It's been just, I'm so, so sorry. It's fine. I, it's, everything's just been oh. happening this week. And, um, one of the things that you do in the book is you don't spend a lot of time around Jeff's passing. You spend your time reflecting on 
information that everyone is craving, the stories, the, uh, the recalling of events from other players and producers and everything like that, and his family and his childhood. And it's, and it's really nice. It's really refreshing. I think we, a lot of us have a very, can have a, a morbid outlook on things and reflect on where we were when we heard the news about someone passing or something like that. And you reflect on the life and it, it was really nice. Well, that's because Jeff was so full of life, and it's really hard for me to go down that mm-hmm. that place. Yeah. I mean, I think about him every day, and um, and it's uh, you know, I mean, writing this book for me was extremely bittersweet, um, because to me, he's you know very much alive. Yeah. And um, and yet I, I miss him so, so much. So it's hard when you think somebody's still alive. They're so alive inside of you, and yet you can't see them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, there was, I really didn't want to do that. Um, I wanted to celebrate him, and I, and I know that, and I, and I feel like everybody misses him so much anyway that there's that darkness uh, that automatically lives in everybody because they miss him, that there was no need to reflect on any of that. Sure. Yeah. Can you tell me about the first time you met? And it, I believe it was an interview for Modern Drummer. Yeah, it was an interview. Um and it was uh, for that first cover story, which was not supposed to be a cover story. I had to convince Modern Drummer to make it a cover story. They, you know, living in New York, the, the magazine was published in New York. They kind of didn't really know Jeff's huge influence out here. Um, they didn't realize really um, what he was that he was so happening. Um, and I had to really talk them into it. I mean, Jeff didn't really care. <laughs> um, that was the funny thing. And I was telling him, I'm, you know, I'm making it, I'm making them give you a cover story. And he would go, Robin. <laughs> I would say, no, I'm taking it back from them. If they won't take it, a co- make it a cover story. What year and was this? That was uh, the 83 cover, so it was 80, you know, so it was like 1982 that we were going through the whole thing. Wow. And he was, uh, so that's pretty much when we met, um, and we hit it off instantly. <coughs> oh, stop it. Shh. Quiet. <laughs> and and we, we hit it off instantly. I mean, it was, we were instant friends. I can't explain it. It was just whatever it was. It was just, uh, you know, you just say that there are some people in your life that it's just magnet. We were just instant friends. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes I think, you know, what would have been if he had lived? We would have we would have watched each other's children grow up. We would have, you know, I mean, we, we didn't spend that much time at the end because of course we were both, you know, raising young children, Mm -hmm. but maybe, I don't know. I just, it makes me sad to think that we missed out because of the last few years we were so busy doing other things but right right no i get that yeah. yeah yeah but nonetheless we we just hit it off you know he and from there that's why i think i have the most interviews with him on the planet i mean he always made himself available to me he was always i mean no matter what that's he amazing. would get on the phone with me. He would call me back. He would, 
you know, I would have these funny phone code back in the day when we would have message machines. I put, you know, Africa on my answer machine and <laughs> he would laugh in the on the machine when he'd call me back and he'd say funny things. And I, I just, yeah, we, I mean, it was just, we were we were just instant friends. I can't explain it. That's amazing. And, you know, you talk about the timeline and interviewing him for the first time in 82 and pressing Modern Drummer to put him on the cover in 83. After reading the book and knowing the timeline a lot better than I had before, uh, it amazes me that, modern, that there was any pushback. To think. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, it's it's really funny because Rick Mattingly brought that up to me um, just recently in an email when he got the book. Um, I I sent him a book and um, and he said to me, "I can't believe that I gave you pushback." <laughs> um, I mean, he was thinking back to that. He said, but he said, you know, I was just I was stuck in my ways and. I was, I just didn't know. I didn't know really who he was. And we were these New York people and we were a little bit, you know, jazz oriented back here in New York. And I just didn't know. They were worried because, you know, he was really more, I mean, Toto was just starting to hit. Mm -hmm. um, and they were really known as, you know, I was touting their stu his studio creds. And, of course, when you're, you know, a studio guy, you're faceless, you know? Yeah. And and so he was, they were worried that he his face wouldn't sell magazines. Mm -hmm. And I was saying, I don't give a you-know-what. <laughs> He's... You know, he's done this and he's done that. And I'm going to take this article back if you won't put him on the cover because it's insulting. <laughs> so, yeah, I was kind of a badass. <laughs> I bet you still are, Robin. Somebody gave me socks for uh, some holiday about a year ago that say badass on them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Sounds like my wife would love those. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's you, you talk about just how he, in many respects, he's never left. He's still alive. And, yeah. I, and again, after reading the book, and, and I, I, I have friends out there that know good talk circles around me about what they know about Jeff and his discography and his influence and so much about Toto that um, over time I have more and more to learn and understand. But I, I, this, this, this book has given me definitely a, a, a step in that direction and <laughs> really knowing how much of an impact he had. I, I, I think that one of the biggest takeaways for me is that I, I I would I would argue with people uh, is that Jeff changed the way people perceived drummers. I think he elevated the respect that drummers maybe didn't have before, as far as their ability to contribute musically and influence the direction of music and mm. be a, a, a session leader. He was such a musician. Peter Frampton was reflecting upon his time. Yeah. And um, Peter says, uh, it wasn't like he was a session guy. He didn't play like a session guy. He played like a band member, and he was a musical chameleon. Yeah. And that, that stuck out to me uh, in that I know there's a lot of pushback of, oh, they're technical, they're this and that. But, man, everything I hear just... Jeff was all about the music. Yeah. And that was the thing. That was the thing that pissed Jeff off, really, um, the most of everything. I think in every single conversation we ever had, he would just go on a rant about how angry the, the press would get him because, you know, they would talk about the, 
all of them, really. I mean, because they all did, did the studio work, that how they were session guys in Toto, that they couldn't be a band because they were session guys. Mm-hmm. And he's going, you know, what is this label that they're giving us? What is What does session guys mean to them? What is... What is the definition of a session guy? Mm-hmm. It means putting yourself into the music of the moment. It means becoming that artist's player. Yeah. It means doing, he said, that's not for the faint of heart. No. That's not for just somebody to go in and play by rote. That's not for somebody to to be some stiff guy that just plays the notes that's for somebody to go in and give it everything you've got so why do they put that down hmm. and and i and i know that i put a few of those conversations into the book because it was so anguishing to him if there wasn't if if there wasn't one subject matter that upset him and and just made him crazy, it was that. Hmm. He just didn't understand yeah. why that was such a negative. It is confusing. I think it's confusing to us now in 2020 to think, why wasn't there just more respect for session players? The reason I say that is with technology – more and more of us have the opportunity to experience what it's like to be under the microscope of a recording situation Mm. and the respect that full-time session musicians uh, has elevated because Mm -hmm. we understand the pressure not only of getting it right in a very short amount of time, performance, creativity, but then also dealing with personalities. But you know the interesting thing about that, Matt, is that back in the day when Jeff was doing it, a lot of it was not so technically, technologically um, bound. So, mm-hmm. for instance, he'd be doing it without a click track yeah. or without a, a synth making the way for what he was... I mean, he was... He was really, you know, doing it. And, and so you can argue that he really had to be on his game. Oh, for sure. And for them to have really put down a session player's role in, in any way, shape, or form in those eras is, is just so beyond me. It's just so, uh, it's, it just makes me so angry. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, One of the things that I really enjoyed doing when I was reading the book was have a resource available of music to tap into and and if I, I encourage people to do this, I feel like it really brings everything to life as you're reading the book and you're hearing stories. If it's Donald Fagan talking about a particular track mm. or somebody talking about a very specific track or their favorite or how it was produced, you can go to that song and pull it up or listen or find it and listen along or take, you know, pause, listen and going, oh, that's where he drops the stick on that Michael McDonald song. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've gotten messages from people saying, I still can't hear it. I still can't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> which, Mike, which Michael McDonald song was that? Do you remember? Oh, um, is it I Keep Forgetting? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, pretty sure that was, yeah. And I mean, that's one of my favorite songs. But, you know, it's the story behind the song i guess um and since uh writing this i wish i had uh thought to ask michael about particularly about this song but i didn't um uh peter erskine i guess uh wrote this post or posted about 
um, one of his favorite songs of Michael McDonald's that Jeff played on, and, uh, and it's That's Why off of that same album. Okay. And um, my God, he's so right. I, I posted, um, I reposted what Peter said about it, and it is the most perfectly crafted drum part that you will ever hear. So anybody listening to this that didn't see Peter's post, go and listen to Jeff's track, That's Why, on Michael McDonald's mm -hmm. album. Uh, it is, uh, it's, it's, it is perfection, Peter says, and I'm quoting Peter Erskine. That's a, a good resource. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good resource, and he's so right. I mean, I I listen to go listen to it again, and yeah. it's it's just it is it's amazing. Uh, Jeff was, oh God. Well, for those that are feverishly looking for a pen and paper to write down these songs, I, I can tell you the book for the thirty-page discography alone is is so <laughs> nice. It's such a great resource. And all those tracks are in there, everything from the early 70s up into the early 90s. And it's so fun to just go through and look at all the names and the tracks and discover the tracks that I didn't know he did. Yeah, some of the some people have said, you know, and, and, and it's amazing, too, that I really didn't think there would be anything for some of the diehard fans to discover. <laughs> I, I was really quite, quite honestly, Matt, I was really concerned that I would get some reviews like, you know, I didn't really find out anything new about Jeff mm. in this book, but I haven't gotten one yet. So I'm so thankful People keep writing and telling me, I really didn't know this. I really didn't know that. So I guess I came up with something that they didn't know, at least one thing. And and a lot of them are like tracks. So I'm, I'm so grateful that even some of the producers mentioned some of the uh, off-the-wall tracks that, that people didn't know about. So yay. <laughs> well, one of my favorite records for the last 30 or so years is uh, Brasilero, uh, Sergio Mendez. Oh, yes. And I didn't know that Jeff was, uh, I know I know at least one track he was on. And to hear him play this style, this Partito Alto Brazilian groove, which is one of the most amazing uh, just rhythms and Brazilian music has nuance, unlike almost any other genre. And to hear... Jeff Picaro do that, you're like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Well, it's interesting because when I was writing this book and looking at some of his discography, I was trying to think of the people I wanted to talk to. And when I saw that he had done that, I thought, oh my goodness, I must try to speak with him mm -hmm. because that in itself is completely unusual. That's just, I didn't know that Jeff had done this. I mean, I really didn't. So I spent a long time trying to reach out. Um, I, I just, I had no idea. I had no idea. So, yeah. And there were so many people that you were able to get in touch with. I know it didn't always work out for for all people, but, you know, the opportunity to reach someone like Bruce Springsteen or uh, have um, his sister as a valuable resource, Jolene, um, must have, in combination with, with your personal history, it, it all makes sense why you have the most diehard Jeff fans probably enjoying the book like like everyone else. Well, the family, I have to say, um, 
The family gave me carte blanche. I mean, they were so loving and so available and so um, just they, they, you know, they believed in, in this project from the beginning. Um, they were uh, completely on board, um, as were, you know, the Toto guys. I mean... Lukather and and Paige and Hungate, um, they were all. I mean, I I say it in the the thank yous, but it's the truth. I mean, they were like brothers to me. Mm. They, if I emailed them, I got an email response back, and you know, within an hour. That's um, amazing. They were so good to me. They. You know, I mean, obviously it was for Jeff, but they were, they believed in me. They trusted me. Nobody had to read it first to see whether they were going to say, yes, they were on board or, you know, give it a thumbs up. Nobody had to, you know, I mean, obviously they knew who I was. I mean, I had interviewed Toto. I had done articles on them for different magazines, Mix Magazine and um, BAM, Bay Area Music. And, I mean, you know, they knew me. Um, and they knew that I had done cover stories on Jeff. I mean, they knew that who I was. And, of course, the family knew who I was because I had done cover stories on Jeff. And I had done work with Joe Picaro, too. Yeah. So, you know, they all knew who I was. But I didn't expect them to be so willing and so gracious and so giving. And, I mean, Jolene was just, you know, here, you want this picture, you want that picture, you know, come over to my house, we'll go through the photos. I mean, and I drove them all crazy for, you know, years. <laughs> and, I mean, if you could know what Hungate said when after he wrote the book and I mean I can't even I won't even I, I won't embarrass him but but one of the things he said was that I just I captured his friend perfectly and um and he called me a hero for doing it that's 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 amazing I there I mean there, there's so much I've learned from the book I, I made a I made a, a a generous list of some of the things, uh, and and some of them are, you know, Jeff was a super fan of music. Uh, he was just a just sharing it with friends and and everything. Uh, he was generous. He was funny. He was bright. Uh, he was a perfectionist. Mm. Just all yeah. those things. Yeah. You realize uh, in a in a very competitive world in a very uh, notoriously um, dark industry, you have this light and you have someone that was always smiling, always bringing positive energy. I I've got songwriter friends here that love to use certain drummers and musicians here in Nashville. And I, I like to pick their brain. Why do you use Eddie Bears, for example? Uh, like, Eddie. Yeah. They said, Eddie's always excited to be on my session. He makes me feel like I'm the most important person. And I thought about that example when uh, I was reading about Jeff and how he probably, there were so many times I was reading where you could tell he was so invested in making this person's track the best it could be. Yeah, that's, that's, that was Jeff. That was exactly who Jeff was he always came in well early always came in early yeah and and always came in you know wanting to give everything give everything he could give and and play for the music and give you exactly what you wanted and uh and be there for you and yeah i mean it it was and he was a one-of-a-kind creature. I mean, mm -hmm. he was, you know, fun and charismatic and um, 
just full of, full of, full of everything, full of vim and vigor and <laughs> energy and positivity and just you name it. Yeah, he was energetic and. I mean, that one thing that, that um, Lee Sklar said just always just completely sticks in my mind that, that he would actually, the only thing he would write on his calendar was about the session that he had upcoming was Jeff. <laughs> I remember that. That's awesome. Because that would make, that, would, that's, that was what made his whole day. Yeah. If Jeff was on the session, that's all he had to know. Yeah, it didn't matter who who the artist was or what they were doing. If Jeff was on it, Lee was that's ready to go. Yeah. That's so great. <laughs> Jeff is such a wonderful example to read about these things for all of us, uh, including young drummers uh, that can see and read about the things that Jeff did that made him so unique even as a big name, even as, I mean, like from everything from showing up early, staying after he was done. And one of the things that blew me away the most was if he didn't feel like he was right for the session, <laughs> he would call someone else. He'd say this, I'm sorry, but this feels like Keltner. You, you need to call Keltner for this track. And I'm like, Keltner called it the unthinkable. Jeff would do the unthinkable. <laughs> Amazing. Or Mike Baird or something. Yeah. It, you know, at Cartage, he'd have Cartage, Mike's drums being sent, and then call Mike personally. <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, Jeff was a one of a freaking kind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're so covetous of all of the work that we have in the session and and everything yeah. like that. And and I mean, I realized, you know, Jeff wasn't worried about losing work or, you know, even touring and leaving the session scene behind. But, uh, yeah, there's always uh, – I, I worked retail for a few. I worked for Jim Rupp at Columbus Pro Percussion. I worked for Gary – Forkham down here for a few years when I first moved to Nashville. And I, I it was a, such a, a, an opportunity to learn very quickly growing up in Columbus about the scene there, great drummers, great musicians, and then moved sure. to Nashville and and learn names and all the things that, that I didn't know about Nashville. I learned very quickly. And I, I've, I say, and listeners are probably like, yes, Matt, we hear, we hear, we hear. I say this all the time that before I knew who Greg Morrow was, uh, his persona was always very inviting and kind and confident mm. without being cocky or without, it was just, mm. hey, would you, you know, can you help me with this? Uh, uh, what are you, and then, then getting to know who he was and, hey, what are you working on? Oh, not much, you know, saying, but you mm. know, just very humble. Mm. And so much that I that you read about Jeff is the same. Mm-hmm. 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 You know, and that and that makes that, that makes somebody, you know, you want to be around that person. You know, there's there's no pretense. There's no, um, you know, it just you, you just it's just a a real human being. It's it's. It it just makes a difference. You don't want to be around somebody who's just being a star. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I have, uh, I don't know if you know Harry McCarthy. Um, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years and, and had him as a guest. Uh, uh, and he talks about after um, uh, Gary Grimm took over drum teching for JMO. And mm -hmm. um, so Harry had a chance to work with Jeff for a short while. Mm. And I was re reflecting upon our interview. And uh, so he's like, oh, no, this is, I mean, uh, this is going to be amazing. But uh, he was very nervous. And <laughs> Jeff said, he's, he's always met with Jeff for the first time. He goes, here's what you need to know. Uh, just make sure you got my cigarettes and my lighter, babe. And it's going to be great. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, I talked to Gary for the book, and Gary, you know, was nervous too, and and he asked Jeff to come, you know, to the studio and and see if he was doing it right the first time. And Jeff said, nah, you'll have it fine. It's it's not, it's no big deal. You'll do it fine. And sure, you know, Gary was sweating bullets. <laughs> and, and Jeff, you know, at the first gig said, see, you, you nailed it. it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, Gary said, Jeff never, never, never made him sweat. It was never a big deal. It was never a thing. It was always cool. It was always chill. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the way I guess Jeff always was. He was just really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just this level of cool that people talk about. <laughs> he was, yeah, well, that, yeah. I mean, he'd walk into the room and he'd take up all the oxygen. It was the the, the real cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. There's oh, a, yeah. There's a great photo. There's some wonderful photos in there. And there's a really great one of him on tour, I think, early 80s. And he's got these boots on, these just badass boots. And I'm thinking... <laughs> Don't please don't tell me he played in those boots. That's crazy, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's Jeff, pretty cool guy. Well, yeah. and the fact that he didn't—it uh, sounded like he didn't make any changes of the kit. Really, that Gary set up that first gig uh, and and just went and played it. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's what he said. Yeah, it was that's... just like, yep, yeah, you nailed it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, even Harry McCarthy talks about doing a gig in Puerto Rico and the back line was just not good at all. And, you know, (laughs) Jeff said, Hey, it's going to be great, babe. It's going to be great. And he said, Jeff Jeff didn't really worry about equipment so much. Yeah. I think that's the takeaway for me is, is it's really good reminder of it's not the equipment. It's, it's the player. That's right. And and Jeff really it was like ah, you know, it is what it is. I'll just do my thing and it'll be fine. You have other books. You have you have the uh, Lucky Drummer, the Ed Shaughnessy book. Yeah, I worked with Eddie on that. Okay. And uh, yeah, we worked um about probably 3 years on that together. And um, Eddie was also a very, very, very close friend. Mm. And uh, and up until um, the end. So, yeah, yeah I keep losing them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. With your experience writing and writing for Modern Drummer and doing all these other things and, and hopefully through the success of this current book – is it too soon to think about the next thing or writing again, writing more stories, more books with your relationships with these different drummers? Like the drumming community is, is, is wanting to know. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Matt. Yeah. People have asked me, I, you know, the Jeff book, I worked eight years on that. That was written with such love With so much a part of me, I just, I don't, I don't know if I have another thing in me. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'd like to think I would, but I can't think of anybody right now that um, I really want to write about. I mean, I'll tell you what, there's so many people that have approached me with more stories about Jeff that I've almost, you know, thought to myself, gee, I should write another, <laughs> another just book called Stories. Um, it's, I, I wished I had known all these other people who've come to me since saying, why didn't you talk to me? Why didn't, well, who knew? Um, so I don't know. 
Um, it's it's really hard to say. Mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm almost grieving the loss of the book. It's a and, funny thing to say. Sure. Well, I, I imagine it was probably uh, like a living thing that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and, and you you sent it off to college, and it's yeah, it's, it's moved and, out. And, that's right. It was my baby, and it's grown up and left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. It's it's kind of what they say. I mean, I never had this with with having babies, but it's it's kind of like postpartum depression, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from what I gather. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's terrible. I feel a real loss. Um, I didn't want to finish the book. I kept dragging it on and on and on, and um, I wanted it to go on forever in a way. And um, but I knew I had to give it to the world, and I feel, um, yeah, I feel kind of sad that it's yeah gone off to college. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, Hudson Music is the publisher of the yes. book. Um, yes. And uh, when I posted a photo on my social socials about uh, when I first got the book, uh, I had people saying, where can I get this? Where can I find this? Uh, I sent them a link, but um, anything special people need to know or where they can access the book? Where they can No, order? that's the place or you, Amazon has it. Yeah. Um, it, and it should, it's also on um, on ebook at Hudson and it will be on Kindle this week. So, um, yeah, it's wherever and, uh, it's available. Yeah. Well, it's like I had mentioned to you, it's, it's a beautiful book, great picture, great pictures inside. I just cannot stress enough just you know, follow along in your hymnals, ladies and gentlemen, to the, <laughs> to the book and, and, and find this music and hear all the other amazing grooves and, and all the other things that, that are in there. Yeah, sure. listen to Jeff. Listen to Jeff. I don't ever want people to stop listening to Jeff. I don't think they, that they will. They will at all. And, and this, is, this has been a gift um, that... Uh, I just I feel confident that I can speak for so many people that we appreciate this uh, sharing this and our desire to learn and grow and become better people and better musicians is um, is 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 always a big big part of of growing as a musician and and this is this is just another tool in the in the shed for us. This well, book. I hope so, Matt. I hope that it it's inspiring because. Um, if I could interview him again, it would be an inspiration. So I guess this is my, instead of being able to interview him, this is my gift. Yeah. Lots of resources out there to become better drummers, but to become better people is uh, probably more so needed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I believe they go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, but you've been so generous with with your time, and I, I appreciate uh, you carving some out for us and talking about this. And uh, I will have links in our show notes. Please check them out on our website. You can uh, click on a link, and it'll take you to where you can find this book. And um, I real quickly, I wanted to ask about drummer interviews. There's links to to your interviews and and the things that the just the 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 list of things that you've been doing over time and the and the uh, your YouTube channel as well. Sure. Uh, yes, I have um, Robin Flan's drummer interviews, um, and uh, I have some audio interviews there. For that you can check out and also I have Robin Flan's media um, and I have writing services actually I do bios yeah so um, yeah anybody wants to check it all out please do Um, it's what I do yeah Robin I'm gonna let you go but thank you so much for your time thank you 
thank you for your interest and your support and for thank the listeners for you know loving jeff and wanting to you know carry on his legacy that's that's all i want to do and i'm hoping that everyone will do i i i have faith (laughs) thanks i have faith for sure All right, Robin, uh, have a great evening. Um, I'll be in touch soon and and, uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So there you have it, my conversation with author Robin Flans. We're going to have links in the show notes where you can find the book. I encourage everyone to check this out. It was really enjoyable to read and so much information about Jeff that you probably didn't know. So it's definitely worth checking out. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview with Tony Coleman. He played with B.B. King, Buddy Guy, and many others. Lived in Chicago, Memphis, and Texas, so lots to talk about there. So check out Tony Coleman next week with Zach Albetta. For now, everyone, stay safe, uh, take care, and hope to see you around real soon. Bye-bye.